Welcome to the brand new Patriots and Pinstripes podcast, the official podcast of the New York Yankees AA affiliate Somerset Patriots. And the Patriots have won it! Somerset! My name is Mark Schwartz. On this show, I'll cover all things Somerset Patriots and New York Yankees, from the organizational structure all the way down to the prospects, the AA Northeast League, and everything in between. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Somerset coming off of one of their strongest series of the season, and they enter another important one as they wrap up the season on the road against the Akron Rubber Ducks. We break that down coming up on the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Who wants to play baseball? Let's go! Yes, sir! Woo! Alrighty, everybody. Brandon Felter with Mark Schwartz. Mark, and for the second time this season, the Patriots have swept a series. Both were against the Hartford Yard Goats. Somerset goes 12-0 and against Hartford. It was a bit of a wacky series, though, something that we have not seen to this point. It started in Hartford. Three games were scheduled there. One was rained out and postponed. It finished in Somerset. So overall, two games were played in Hartford, Connecticut. Four were played here in Bridgewater, New Jersey. It did not matter, though, where the Patriots were playing because they won them all pretty convincingly across the board as well. Yeah, it turns out to be a six-game series. I mean, Somerset now the entire season 12-0 and against the Hartford Yard Goats going back to that uh, series back in May. I mean, just to start, you know, this has been a really tough week plus not only for the ballpark itself because of the flooding but for the players as well I mean they were down in Bowie in the middle of the biggest series of the season and then they find out that they've lost a lot of their possessions and their cars have been flooded it's really hard to keep your head on straight during all of that when you have so many other things going on in your life that can be you know very uh, qualified distractions for the guys but they were able to finish that Bowie series strong and then all of a sudden, instead of coming home for a six-game series, you're staying on the road and you're playing what you imagine is going to be at least the first three games in Hartford. But when that series began, the players didn't know how long the Patriots were going to be in Hartford. It could have very well been for the entire week. Uh, I mean, it was a miracle, the, the job that the Somerset Patriots front office and the groundskeeper, uh, the whole grounds crew, led by, of course, Dan Perner, uh, the work that they did to get this ballpark ready. So there's a lot of things in the air for this Patriots team that uh, – could have distracted them from this week, uh, but they were able to power through that, uh, winning the first two games in Hartford, as you mentioned, rained out on uh, Thursday, and then coming back home. And uh, it's certainly good to be home. Uh, you know, beautiful ballpark. The grounds have looked tremendous. And uh, you know what? This is a series going into it, Brandon, where we said they got to take at least five of six. They did that. They swept the series. And they, they certainly did so with big bats, saw some really strong pitching. I think you bring up a good point, too. Because uh, I know for me, and I'm sure many of our listeners, boy, that flooding felt like it was months ago at this point. And the fact that it was a little over a week and a half ago is uh, unbelievable. And, and again, uh, thanks to Dan Perner and the grounds crew here for doing an, a phenomenal job to even have some baseball. Let's get in 
to this series a little bit here. The biggest name that jumps out to me, Mark, is Hayden Wisniewski. He absolutely shoved in Game 2 on Saturday. Yeah, we have to talk about Wesneski and the performance that he put out in Game 2 of that Saturday doubleheader. Seven innings. He was one hit shy of a perfect game. That lone hit wound up being a solo home run he allowed to Sean Bouchard in the second inning. But he retired the final 17 batters that he faced. 11 of the last 12 batters that he faced, he struck out. Finished with a career-high 14 strikeouts. Only the third Patriots pitcher this season to strike out 14 batters in a game. Uh, the other one was Glenn Otto, and he did it twice. Uh, Wesneski, only the second Patriots player to throw a complete game this season. The other was Wesneski himself in a seven-inning complete game against the Portland Sea Dogs back in early August. I mean, Wesneski put together, in my estimation, I've been trying to think about this over the last couple of days, of stacking up that pitching performance against some of the other marquee pitching performances we've seen from the Patriots this season. Uh, the Glenn Otto 14 strikeout game against Hartford back early in the season where he struck out 14 batters over five innings. Uh, that stands out as uh, one of the best pitching performances. Otto had his second 14 strikeout performance in early July uh, against the Harrisburg Senators at one point retiring 20 in a row. That stands out. Uh, and then Luis Severino, uh, granted it was a rehab assignment, so I don't know if it fully qualifies, but uh, the front end of that no-hitter uh, back on August 8th against the Bowie Bay Sox, Severino was lights out over four perfect innings. So those are the first, and Sean Semple had some really good outings as well sprinkled in there. Uh, but those come to mind uh, in the same category as Hayden Wesneski. And Wesneski might top all of them. Because what you have to remember about what Wesneski did on Saturday is that he struck out 14 batters over seven innings and over just 75 pitches. I was talking to the vice president of uh, communications with the team, Mark Russinoff, earlier today. The single game uh, franchise record for strikeouts is 16, done by Ray Davis back in 2000. That was over a nine-inning ballgame. Wesneski struck out 14 over seven innings. If this was a nine-inning game, because he was only at 75 pitches through seven, chances are he comes back out at least for the eighth, if not the ninth, and we're probably looking at a new franchise record holder. Unfortunately for Wesneski, it was only a seven-inning game, but that can't, be, that can't take anything away from what was a masterful performance on the mound. Let's stick with the pitchers after Somerset took game one on Tuesday in Hartford, 4-1. to one. Then Luis Medina comes out for game two, and it really seems like in addition to Wisniewski, Medina has turned a corner as well. Seven scoreless innings, allows just six hits, only one walk, and while he just got five strikeouts recorded there, I mean, he looked really strong again. He, he once again did, and it's been this kind of towing of the line for Medina and Brandon. We've talked about it where uh, there was that really tough start that he had against Bowie back in early August where he only went two innings, had all of those walks, five walks over the two innings, left the ball game, and that seemed to be kind of rock bottom, at least in terms of the season uh, for Medina. Uh, he has bounced back, of course, since, but there was still that time where, okay, his next two starts, he didn't walk anybody. But he was giving up more hits, and he was giving up more runs, and he didn't quite have that same electricity uh, that we've grown accustomed to seeing him uh, on the mound. But since uh, those back-to-back -back games where he had uh, walked nobody but uh, had given up some runs and some hits, he's been really electric since. He had the 12-strikeout performance on August 26th, 10 strikeouts over four and two-thirds two-thirds innings against Bowie on September 2nd, and then uh, you, you mentioned at the start, kind of marrying everything together. He only had five strikeouts, but uh, looked really strong, only walked one, and seven innings of work. It was the first time 
that he worked through the sixth inning this season, let alone completing seven. So a very promising start for Medina. You know, granted, Hartford's bats, they've struggled all season long. This is the team that has the worst record in the league, the worst team batting average in the league. Uh, so it's important to bring that up, but you don't want to take anything away from how strong Medina looked on the mound. And while Hartford, their bats have struggled, that was the Patriots' minor league leading 16th shutout of the season. So they have not just done it against Hartford. They have shut out uh, so many teams throughout this year. Well, then Somerset returned home. They played on Friday night after, you know, a tough start to the series. So much going on. Go into a four-hour and 18 uh, minute 12-inning contest, a 6-5 win there. They sweep the doubleheader, win 7-6 seven, seven to six and 5-1. to one. Then they finally close out the series here on Sunday, 11-3, to three, the final score. A lot of big bats, especially over the final three games of the series. Oswald Peraza comes to mind, as does Oswaldo Cabrera toward the top of that uh, Patriots lineup. Yeah, both of them were uh, really, really strong this entire week. Peraza finished his week playing in all six games, uh, hit 348, a 423 on base percentage, a couple of home runs, and six RBI. Uh, the doubleheader, you know, if not for Hayden Wesneski's performance, that doubleheader on Saturday belonged to Oswaldo Cabrera. I mean, he went three for six in that doubleheader, uh, including two home runs and five RBI. Uh, he had struggled earlier in the week. Uh, there was the game on Friday night, that 12-inning affair, where Cabrera went 0 for 6 from the plate. Uh, but he bounced back really strong with those uh, with that big day on the doubleheader. And then even on Sunday, Cabrera finished up really strong. Uh, he had five plate appearances in Sunday's ball game, and he reached base all five times, drew three walks, also had an RBI. Uh, he was 2 for 2 from the plate. Cabrera, in fact, now leads the league with 75 runs batted in on the season. He also leads the league in total bases. He ranks second in the league in hits, second in the league in extra base hits as well. Uh, so Cabrera really putting together a, a strong performance. But overall, across the board, I mean, so many contributors this week for the Patriots. Brandon Lockridge uh, hit 409 over all six games this week with a 500 on base percentage. He's now riding a seven-game on-base streak. Uh, you have Jesus Bastidas, who came through with a couple of home runs this week. Uh, Chad Bell had that big home run in game one of the doubleheader on uh, on Saturday, including the back-to-back -back home runs between Bell and Bastidas. Even Michael Beltre had the game-winning double uh, back in the 12th inning on Friday night, the uh, the walk-off winner. So across the board, Brandon, um, you know, these bats came to play this week, and, you know, I talked about it on the air. There was three games this week between Somerset and Hartford that were only decided by one run. The Patriots ran away with the game on Sunday. They um, handedly controlled that Hayden Wesneski 5-1 win in Game 2 on Saturday. Uh, but three games, the one nothing win on Wednesday, and then the uh, walk-off win on Friday, and then Game 1 back and forth, 10 lead changes in Game uh, 1 on Saturday of that doubleheader were all decided by one run. I mean, this was a series that you know, the Patriots didn't quite fully control, yet they walk away with the split. Reason being, big players came up with big hits in big spots, and that's you know, and now the Patriots can walk away with the series sweep. Speaking of some big hits, uh, one bat that comes to mind didn't blow the uh, really blow you away in terms of the numbers, but Dermis Garcia hit 222 these last six games, reached base at an over 400 clip, so he finishes in 12 games against the Hartford Yard Goats, hitting 318 uh, with a 423 OBP. That is uh, the only team that he has hit over 300 against, so he certainly 
had their number, and uh, we've talked about it so much with Dermis, but if he can continue to hit, and even that 222 number to 250 somewhere in that range and have that power to go along with it, boy, Somerset would absolutely love that, and he's found himself kind of a home in that five spot as of late. Yeah, he absolutely has. I mean, you know, he turns it around in the month of August, hitting 275 over 25 games in August with seven home runs, 18 RBI. The average is a little down. It's a tick down in the month of September. However, the on-base percentage is up for Garcia. He's at a 381 on-base percentage over the first 11 games in September. Uh, so he's been drawing a lot of walks. In fact, another really promising sign, and you know we'll see if this extends throughout the entire month, uh, but for the first time this season, uh, Dermis Garcia in a month has more walks than he has strikeouts. Garcia has walked nine times over the first 11 games in September and has only struck out eight times. Now, he had been struggling with strikeouts all season long, so I, I think that's an important uh, tidbit to bring up. The power hasn't quite been there as frequently. We saw a home run from Garcia uh, on Sunday's series finale. It was only his second home run of September. His first one came in the first game of September back on back on the second. So the power maybe has dipped, but he's getting on base. And what we've seen now is an eight-game win streak for the Patriots. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Garcia getting on base, even if he's not providing as much power, but keeping the train moving for the Patriots offensively instead of striking out so often like he did early in the season, I think that's a, a very big reason why we've seen this Patriots team have so much success as of late. The Patriots, 25 games above 500, a high watermark for the team this season, and they wrap up uh, against the Hartford Yard Goats here with a clean sweep, 6-0 and here this past week. They finished 12-0 and against the Yard Goats, who have struggled mightily this season. Just one series remains for Somerset. They head to Akron, Ohio, and we will break down that pivotal six-game set against the Rubber Ducks next on the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Discover the future you at Centenary University. Visit an upcoming virtual information session to learn more about flexible degree or certificate programs online or in person through Centenary Choice. Centenary offers small class sizes, individualized attention, thousands of dollars in scholarships, classes just for returning adults, and new programs including public health, computer science, supply chain management, and certified financial planning. Learn more about how you can earn your degree on your busy schedule. Centenary University. Discover the future you. At RWJ Barnabas Health, we have a passion for heart health. With the largest adult and pediatric cardiac surgery programs in the state, a heart transplant program that's top 15 in the nation, a partnership with Rutgers Health, the latest technology and medical advancements and nationally renowned care for every heart in every one of our communities. Whoever your heart beats for, our hearts beat for you. Let's be healthy together. Visit rwjbh.org heart. So Somerset is ready to play a six-game set against the Akron Rubber Ducks. Akron currently holding the one seed. Somerset in the two seed. Bowie not too far behind in the three. And finally, Portland is in the fourth spot. That's how things shake up right now. I think it's important to note, Mark, that 
all these teams are going to be finishing with a different amount of games played. Somerset's going to finish at 119. Uh, Bowie seems like they're going to be a couple shy there. Portland is definitely going to be some game shy. I think they're finishing at 115. Is that right? Well, so a, a couple of things there. Yeah, I think I think Bowie has a chance right now of finishing at 120. So I think they're going to have their entire season. Uh, Portland is, <laughs> I think they're like 115, 114, uh, because they had the five games canceled between a doubleheader last Sunday in New Hampshire and then the uh, first four games of their last series against Binghamton canceled as well. Uh, so I think it's actually six games. So they might finish at 114. Um, so there's uh, a lot of you know oddities about the way that this season is coming to a close, but it's still really close. And it's remarkable that going into this last week, I mean, we record this podcast right now uh, a little after 5 o'clock on Sunday uh, after the Patriots had finished off their sweep over the Hartford Yard Goats. So the Akron Rubber Ducks are about to get underway in an important game against the Richmond Flying Squirrel. So we're not going to know uh, the results of that game by the time that we finish this episode. Uh, however, the Portland Sea Dogs have won seven games in a row. The Bowie Bay Sox have won seven games in a row. And the Patriots have won eight games in a row. So Somerset has gone on their longest winning streak of the season. And they haven't gained any ground. In fact, they've lost a game on Bowie because they were game and a half up on the Bay Sox after that series last week in Maryland. But Bowie just completed a seven-game sweep of the Harrisburg Senators. So Somerset has won eight games in a row, but over this last week, the Bay Sox have gained a half game on the Patriots. So it is coming down to the wire, and uh, to our knowledge at least, because of all of the different amount of games played, things are going to come down to percentage points uh, right now, and if there's an equal percentage point, then it'll go to head-to-head -head record, then last 20 games, last 21 games, all the different tiebreaker scenarios. Hopefully, we won't have to worry about that, and we'll have some more baseball at TD Bank Ballpark uh, in two weeks from now. But there is another pivotal series that looms large here against Akron. And I think for Somerset, as we continue to set, set the stage for this one, Mark, First place, even, is not out of reach to finish in the top of the league. Not at all. I mean, right now, again, Akron is about to get underway in their final game on Sunday. The Patriots, as of this recording, are only a game and a half behind the Rubber Ducks. So, say Richmond, uh, who defeated Akron 15-5 to in a game earlier this week, if Richmond wins that series finale, and the, the Flying Squirrels, if I'm not mistaken, have actually been playing quite well as of late. Um, let's see. Richmond, uh, actually, they're only 5-5 five and five over their last 10. Even so, if the Rubber Ducks drop their ball game on Sunday, the Patriots could go into that series behind by just one game. So if Somerset takes four of six over the Rubber Ducks, then the Patriots have the best overall record in the league, and they have the number one seed in the playoffs going in. So Akron isn't quite out of the woods just yet. Uh, now, if the Rubber Ducks win and the Patriots go into that series two games behind Akron, should the Patriots take four of six then they would be in a virtual tie and it would come down to those percentage points again. Uh, the Patriots would have a tiebreaker over the Rubber Ducks in that scenario if they were to have played the same amount of games. But to my knowledge, it looks like the Rubber Ducks, uh, well, they might finish at 119 as well because right now they're at 111 games. So if they finish at 119 and the Patriots finish at 119, say hypothetically Somerset takes four of six, 
and there's a bunch of hypotheticals I'm throwing out here, <laughs> uh, but there there is there are two distinct ways that Somerset can win and have a strong series in Ohio and walk away with the best overall record and the number one seed in the postseason. Early in the season, I think it was against uh, Binghamton for Akron that they had that game canceled. So I'm on the same page as you as we were looking through uh, this kind of as we record the podcast. I also was doing the mental math. I'm pretty sure as well that it's uh, 119 games for both of these sides. Now, as we look back just a couple of weeks ago, uh, toward the end of August, we saw the Akron Rubber Ducks at TD Bank Ballpark, and it was a series split for Somerset. It was one that uh, similar to this we knew would be important. They were playing Akron two in two series over the last four weeks of the season to get uh, a really important stretch started for the Patriots over the last month. And, you know, thinking back to that series, there was just nothing too crazy that jumped out. But I think they carried so much momentum coming off this last series against Hartford. Yeah, I mean, the big thing that I take away from that first series between the Patriots and the Rubber Ducks is that the series was split three games apiece, but two of the wins for Akron were extra inning wins. I mean, the Patriots took the first game of the series, and then on the second night, Somerset was trailing 3-2 to two going into the uh, bottom of the ninth inning. Josh Bro hit a solo home run to tie up the ball game and send it into extras. And then the Rubber Ducks, uh, they wound up plating two runs in the top of the 10th inning. There was an error in that inning. Uh, so both runs that were allowed by Zach Green were unearned, and the Rubber Ducks won that ball game. Uh, and, you know, that was a close affair. Logan Allen had pitched well for Akron. They've got a pretty a sneaky good pitching staff over there in Ohio. Uh, but that was a game that, look, it went to extras, certainly there for the taking for Somerset. Remember, after that bro home run in that game, Michael Beltre was trying to stretch a single into a double. Uh, as the league leader in stolen bases, he was thrown out, and, and the Patriots wound up losing that ball game. Somerset came back the next day, uh, and they had a, a four-run bottom of the eighth inning to take down the, the Rubber Ducks 7-3. But then, again, I'm not going to go through each game here, uh, but the fourth game of the series... That was another one where the Patriots, they left a nine on base. Remember, Brandon, we were walking away from this series saying the Patriots to finish off the final three games of that series 0 for 29 with runners in scoring position. They lost two games in extra innings, including the uh, the second game, uh, the second loss of that series uh, where the Patriots got a leadoff base runner. They had runners at first and second in the bottom of the ninth inning with nobody out where a run would have won the game and they failed to score. And then uh, in the bottom of the 10th inning, had runners at second and third with one away and failed to score as well. So what my takeaway from that series, now that I've gone through a lot of the games, <laughs> uh, is that you know the Patriots had opportunities to not just split a series against the team with the best record in the league. Look, Akron is a good team. Uh, they've got some scrappy players. George Valera impressed. Stephen Kwan had a strong series as well. Uh, Will Brennan at the top of the order was a pretty pesky batter. Uh, but the Patriots had opportunities to take four of six in that series, and they weren't able to capitalize. This team seems to be hitting better now than they were during that Akron series when they went 0 for 29. So you take a couple of those close games. Uh, you say, you know, maybe instead of the Patriots going 0 for 29 with runners in scoring position, they go 4 or 5 for 29 with runners in scoring position. What difference does that make in the series uh, and does that give the Patriots a pretty good chance to walk away uh, winning some games that they otherwise might not? So 
it's going to be a good series, but th- those are a couple of the takeaways, at least I have, from the first time these two teams played. I will say one really important note uh, to point out. It's something that, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but we haven't seen this all year in an 11.05 a.m. game, <laughs> a morning game, and that's to start the series on Tuesday morning. Now, of course, these guys are professionals. They travel. They do this regularly. But that's a big turnaround coming off of what will probably be a seven to eight hour road trip on Monday into that early game on Tuesday. Yeah, it's uh, the first 11.05 game that the Patriots will play this season. And it comes on the final day of the well, the final series of the season and for arguably their longest road trip as well. And they're going up against Logan Allen in that game as well. And Logan Allen had a good amount of success against the Patriots the first time they played him. So the chips are stacked against the Patriots, at least for that first game. Uh, like you mentioned, you know they're going to travel on Monday. Uh, so they're going to try to have some opportunities to have a normal uh, Monday night. But the Patriots, not once this entire season, have had to wake up early and go through their pregame rituals and prepare for a game that early. I mean, it just hasn't happened yet this season for Somerset. They've had a couple of games at 1.05 p.m., but uh, not quite at 11.05. And trust me, those two hours make a significant difference when you're preparing for a game. So it'll be a tough way for this Patriots team to start that series. Uh, But as we've seen over the last couple of weeks, especially with um, the effects of Hurricane and Tropical Storm Ida, uh, this team is resilient. They have found ways to fight through adversity throughout the course of the season, and uh, I would expect nothing different from the team going into the series. As we look kind of specifically, maybe picking out one or two things that you're really looking for, Mark, I know when I think of this Patriots team, I always turn to the pitching. Uh, and I think in this one, it can turn to one or two guys. Luis Medina, can he continue to uh, limit uh, walks as much as he has down the stretch? And also a guy that uh, really, once he got called up to double-A, looked really strong, had a terrific time in uh, high Hudson Valley. Although these last couple weeks has, I don't want to say fallen off, but has not been as strong, and that's Ken Waldachuk. Those two starters to me, I think if they put together strong starts, Somerset can very well win at least four of six. I think this whole series really comes down to the starting pitching. I think you're absolutely right with that. Look, the Patriots' bats, they've got guys that are going to hit home runs. They're going to come through in some, in some spots, and they're going to keep the Patriots in most ball games. The Patriots' bullpen, which we haven't really talked about too much today, has been lights out. Now, Barrett Lowski allowed a couple of runs in the uh, Game 1 of Saturday's doubleheader, which skewed the bullpen ERA just slightly uh, over this really impressive stretch. But Somerset's bullpen, entering Sunday, has the second lowest ERA among all bullpens across all levels of minor league baseball. So with the Patriots handing off leads to this bullpen, the way that Lowski's pitched as of late, he's been really good. Nick Ernst has looked dominant out of the pen. Addison Russ is pitching well. Kevin Gadea is pitching well. Michael Gomez can be hit or miss sometimes. So I'm not concerned with the bullpen. And I'm not really concerned with the bats too much. It's about the starting pitching. And can they get them across those first four or five innings and keep the game close? Keep the game within striking distance or potentially have Somerset in front? Because we've seen starts. And it's with a lot of these guys, it's pretty easy to know early on if they have it or if they don't. But we've seen some starts where Waldachuk has struggled out of the gate, where he doesn't quite have his command. We saw that today. He walked five batters. Luis Medina, you could tell pretty early on if it's going to be a good day for Medina or a poor day for Medina. Uh, Wesneski has pitched quite well as of late, but 
you know, we've even seen somebody like Randy Vasquez and, and Johnny Brito as well struggle sometimes early in the game. Um, and then, uh, you know, Brito a little bit more lately has had some more intermittent struggles as the game has progressed as well. So can the Somerset Patriots starting pitching put them in a position where you get through the fifth inning, you get through the sixth inning, and maybe it's a tied ball game, or maybe you're up a run, or maybe you're even down a run, and then you could hand it off to arguably the best bullpen, the best bullpen easily in the AA Northeast League, one of the best bullpens in all of baseball. You hand it off to them, and you feel pretty good about your chances the rest of the way. The Patriots open up another pivotal six-game set, this time it wraps up the season on the road against the Akron Rubber Ducks. Tuesday's game starts at 11.05 a.m., then it's 6.35 p.m. starts on Wednesday and Thursday. Friday and Saturday are at 7.05, and the regular season wraps up at 2.05 p.m. on Sunday. As always, you can catch all the coverage beginning 20 minutes before first pitch on 1450 WCTC or WCTC AM. But we're not done yet here on the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. When we come back, we'll take a look at some of the top Patriots this season and some of the top players around the AA Northeast League. That's coming up next. Green Knoll Golf Course, located in Bridgewater Township and less than five minutes from Route 22, is the original Somerset County Park Commission course. Since 1960, golfers have enjoyed the rolling layout with slight elevation changes throughout the course. Greendale Golf Course also features a nine-hole pitch and putt course with holes ranging from 40 to 100 yards. Call 908-722-1301 or visit greennolgolf.com to book a tee time today. All right, Mark. Well, believe it or not, we've just got six games left in the regular season. It has flown by, and all throughout, the Patriots have been one of the top teams in all of the AA Northeast League as they continue to fight for that number one seed. Let's talk about some of uh, the standout players. We'll begin with the Patriots, some of the guys that have really impressed you this season. As usual, we'll start with the pitchers because, uh, at least in my opinion, that's where we saw just a plethora of talent. There's barely anyone left that started the season with Somerset that's still on the roster today. What is it, five people that pitched with Somerset went on to pitch in the big leagues this season? I think one of the most impressive for both of us has been Glenn Otto, a guy on and off the field who is excellent, a really smart guy, and uh, even in his debut with the Texas Rangers, really impressed. Yeah, Glenn Otto certainly stands out. I mean, it's fun. I'm just looking through like some of the early rosters for the Patriots this season and some of the names that were here. I mean, Luis Heal, he was the opening day starting pitcher for the Patriots. I mean, let it, let's not forget that Luis Heal... Through seven starts with Somerset, had a 2.64 ERA, and uh, Yankee fans are in love with the guy. I mean, he struggled his last time out, but you know, still, you kind of forget that that Luis was here for, here for a while. He's the first Yankees pitcher ever in his first three starts to go scoreless. Yeah, I mean, the first Yankee ever. And he began the season here in Somerset. He was the first Yankee assigned to Somerset as well. Yeah, it's it's wild um, to go back and think about Luis Heal. I mean, you brought up Glenn Otto, and you know he was traded from the 
Yankees organization over to the Texas Rangers organization, uh, which works out well for him, at least geographically, because he's closer to home in Texas. And there was more of a route for him to get up to the major league level. And, you know, we've seen him pitch at the major, major league level this season with the Rangers. But the numbers that he put up while he was here, six and three across 11 starts, uh, a 103 strikeouts against just 14 walks across 65 and a third innings. He was brilliant. Um, two other quick names I'll throw out for you, at least from a pitching side. Uh, one, Jansen Junk, who you know had the lowest qualified ERA in all of minor league baseball for a while uh, while he was with the Patriots. He finished off uh, with Somerset 4-1, and one, a 1.78 ERA, 14 appearances, 12 starts before he was traded over to the Angels organization, and he has gotten his opportunity at the major league level. But a name that I know both of us really enjoyed the story behind him earlier in this season, Stephen Ridings. What he was able to do coming out of the bullpen for the Patriots early in the season, 4-0, 0.47 ERA. He made 14 relief appearances, 2-for-2 two two in save opportunities, over 19 innings of work for Ridings. He allowed just one earned run, uh, and that, of course, along with great strikeout numbers, 30 strikeouts, two walks. He got up to the big league level, somebody who never pitched above, what, A-ball um, in his professional career. I mean, there were some really, really talented arms for the Patriots, and, and those are a couple of names that really stand out to me. For Ridings, I think his first 10 appearances, he did not allow an earned run. And even looking at the league leaders right now, Glenn Otto, who has not pitched in this league in months, sits third with 103 <laughs> strikeouts. Just to kind of paint the picture of how dominant he was, while he was here, only Ken Waldachuk is above him and Grayson Rodriguez for the Bowie Bay Sox, one of the top pitching prospects in all of baseball. Now, as we turn to the bats there, I think, you know, Somerset, especially going into the year, the focus was on the pitching staff. That's where they have really dominated. But we have seen a lot of really maybe under-the-radar type names. Oswald Peraza is one of the top Yankees prospects, so certainly he takes the cake. But uh, we look in, Dermis Garcia leads the, the league and all of uh, Yankees farmhands in home runs. And not too far behind him, how about Oswaldo Cabrera leading the way in RBI? I think he's third in homers in the AA Northeast League. Yeah, I mean, Cabrera has had a tremendous season. And when you bring up hitters, really the first name that I would want to talk about is Joe Migliaccio, Patriots hitting coach. Because across the board, we could talk about Cabrera. We could talk about what Donnie Sands did earlier this year while he was here. Uh, we could talk about Diego Castillo as well. All of these different guys have set career highs in home runs. And the common denominator with this team is Joe Migliaccio. I mean, take Oswaldo Cabrera, for example. Right now, he sits at 22 home runs. In his first four professional seasons, Cabrera had 22 home runs. He has 22 home runs this season. He has literally matched his previous total in home runs this season alone. He's doubled his total. Uh, it's been a tremendous season for Cabrera, and the same could be said across the board. Beltre is a career high in home runs. Diego Castillo, while he was here, a career high in home runs. Same for Donnie Sands. Uh, Dermis Garcia, a career high as well. I mean, just across the board, uh, the power of this lineup has really stood out, and, and so much can be attributed to the work that has been done by Joe Migliaccio. Yeah, I think both uh, Joe and Daniel Moscos, the Patriots pitching coach, Heck, they deserve a ton of credit, and both 
in conversations with them and seeing how they work with the guys strike you as people to kind of keep your eye on for these different vacancies, whether it's in the Yankees organization or different teams, because they both really seem like they have true futures in those positions at the major league level. Let's uh, turn quickly to the entire AA Northeast. I don't want to put you on the spot and say who's your pitcher and player of the year, but Let's just talk about a couple names that really stand out. I think it's hard to have this conversation and not mention Adley Rutschman. He got called up uh, just after the series against the Patriots um, at home here at TD Bank Ballpark a couple weeks ago. But Rutschman, on base percentage near 400, the batting average near 300, the home run numbers there. I mean, he just did everything at the plate, and he's pretty strong defensively as well. Yeah, there are two players this season, Adley Rutschman being one of them, that just looked different. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, and the the second player I'm about to bring up, Spencer Torkelson, is another top prospect. So it's kind of low-hanging fruit to talk about <laughs> Rutschman and Torkelson because they're two top five prospects in all of baseball. But, I mean, you could see why when they come to the ballpark because the ball just jumps off of their bat different. Both of them were so impressive. For Rutschman, he was here for a lot longer than Torkelson. I think... At least I was a little surprised that Torkelson got called up to AAA as quickly as he did. Uh, He got called up at the same time that Riley Green did, what, almost a month ago at this point. Uh, So he only spent a couple of months at this level. Uh, But Adley Rutschman, you know, he's the number one prospect in baseball for a reason. He's so strong defensively as a catcher. Some people see him potentially long-term at first base. He got some work at first base during our series. But he gets on base. He hits for power. Uh, He's a really good athlete. He was a kicker at Oregon State for a little while as well. Uh, But, yeah, Adley certainly a tremendous player. As we look at pitchers next, I'm going to stick with the low-hanging Uh, fruit and uh, talk about Grayson Rodriguez who leads the way with 116 strikeouts in the league Grayson a guy who uh, has blew us away I think when we saw him I mean he was nearly head and shoulders above just about every other pitcher that we have seen this season in his start and I think you also have to keep in mind how the Orioles manage their prospects none of their pitchers really go over 85 pitches or past six innings it's whichever mark they hit first and also coming into Grayson's start here a few weeks back he was coming off of back-to-back outings which he didn't even go three innings that's because again back to the way they manage their pitchers if you're going more than 30 pitches or so in an inning that's a wrap. So in an a limited workload and keeping things kind of uh, low on him in terms of pitch count, he still has really shined. He absolutely has. And uh, look, if that's somebody that you want to go with uh, for a pitcher that stands out, no, nobody will ever knock you for that. Uh, in terms of another pitcher that has uh, stood out to me, I'm going to go back earlier this season. And uh, you know what? It's, it's weird. The first name that popped off the page for me that I was thinking about if you go back to the um, the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, now I think both of us are a little surprised with the amount of struggles that New Hampshire had this year, considering some of the players that they had on their team, uh, whether it be uh, you know Austin Martin at the beginning of the season, uh, who was traded away to the Blue Jay- to the uh, Minnesota Twins organization, Simeon Woods Richardson was traded away as well. Gabriel Moreno certainly had a strong series behind home plate. But I was trying to think of another pitcher that really stood out to me. I don't know if he's quite on the radar. Uh, I would imagine he probably is. Uh, but the name that pops off the page for me is Zach Logue. 
uh, in the Blue Jays organization. Uh, he had a start back here at TD Bank Ballpark all the way back on May 29th. He threw th- six innings, and he struck 12 batters out uh, in that start. Now, Logue is no longer with the uh, AA New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Uh, he has been uh, moved up now to the uh, AAA level with the Buffalo Bison, where he's 7-3 and three with a 3.65 ERA. Uh, but he had 51 strikeouts over 35 and two-thirds innings. Numbers that won't necessarily pop off the page. Uh, in terms of rankings, I, I'm not quite sure if he's ranked in, in any of these rankings in the Blue Jays organization, but uh, he's the other pitcher. Grayson Rodriguez is one, two, three, four, and 5 in terms of the <laughs> impressive pitchers we've seen from other teams this season. But Logue is another name that jumps off the page for me. It's been really exciting getting to watch a lot of these big names come into TD Bank Ballpark this season. Uh, and for Somerset, they've got six more regular season games against the Akron Rubber Ducks to try and lock up that top spot in the AA Northeast League. Let's check in with the rest of the Yankees minor league affiliates here with the Farm Report. Tampa began its final home series of the year this week, taking on the Dunedin Blue Jays at Steinbrenner Fields. After winning 6-5 on Tuesday to clinch a playoff spot in low A Southeast, Dunedin struck back and won the next three games of the series, including sweeping a doubleheader on Friday. The Tarpons bounced back with an 8-3 win on September 11th. Heading into Sunday, Tampa looking to salvage a split with the Blue Jays in this series. It was a good week for Yankees first-round pick Trey Sweeney. The Eastern Illinois product went 8-for-19 at the plate with two doubles, a triple, and a home run. Sweeney is hitting 265 in 26 games as a member of the Tarpons and has six home runs for an OPS of 940. Roberto Chirinos also hit 400 on the week for Tampa and had four runs batted in across the series. Tampa concludes its series with the Dunedin Blue Jays at noon today as Jason Parker gets the start. Parker was recently acquired as a player to be named later from the Cincinnati Reds organization. After the day off tomorrow, Tampa plays its final series of the year on the road at the Fort Myers Mighty Muscles before the low A Southeast playoffs begin. With this look at the Tampa Tarpons, I'm Joe Vasile. The Renegades return to the confines of Dutchess Stadium after a 4-8 road trip to North Carolina. First up, the Brooklyn Cyclones and the High A East affiliate of the Mets had no intention of letting the young Yankees climb back into the pennant race. The series got off to a good start on Tuesday with a 7-6 Hudson Valley victory. The Cyclones got a grand slam from Luis Gonzalez to take a 4-0 lead, but the Gades responded in the fifth behind Everson Pereira. Runners at the corners, and Pereira hits a drive to left, turning around Ashford. This is gone! The Gades put four on the board in the sixth and held on for the win. Wednesday was a lost day as the Cyclones swept the doubleheader, winning 4-0 in the first game and 10-8 in the second. In the nightcap, Brooklyn built up an 8-1 lead, but the Renegades rallied to 8-6 on home runs by Jake Sanford, Pat DeMarco, and Frederick Cuevas in the third inning. The Cyclones put insurance runs on the board in the ninth to seal the win. The Gades lost their third in a row on Thursday. The Cyclones built up a 6-2 lead and won 6-4. Fortunes turned on Friday as the Renegades got back in the win column 4-1. Carlos Narvaez gave the home crowd and some guests in the booth a thrill. Thanks so much for having us. Appreciate it. Here's a high drive to deep left center field. Take a look at it. This is gone. Woo! 
With the win, the Renegades clinched the High A East North Division Championship. On Saturday, the Renegades remembered the events of September 11th, 2001 with a stirring pregame ceremony. Then Josh Macieski scattered four hits with a season-high 11 strikeouts over seven innings to pick up his eighth win as Hudson Valley shut out the Cyclones 7-0. Eduardo Torrealba and Andres Chaparro homered in the win. The Gades are four back of Greensboro for the final playoff spot in High A East, with seven to play. The Grasshoppers come to Dutchess Stadium for the final week of the regular season on Tuesday. That's your Renegades recap. I'm Rob Adams. One week ago today, the Scranton-Wilkesbury Railriders dropped their ninth consecutive game, falling 9-6 in 11 innings against the Buffalo Bisons. Since then, the Railriders have reeled off five consecutive victories. The Rochester Red Wings are in town, and they themselves are on a lengthy losing streak. Railriders took the series opener on Tuesday, 4-1, rained out Wednesday, swept a doubleheader on Thursday, winning 5-1, 11-3, and took a victory home, 3-1 on Friday night. On Saturday... Sean Semple made his first AAA start of the year, surrendered five runs in the opening inning, and the Rail Riders were down 8-2 to two after three complete. Even though the comeback started with the Chris Gittens home run in the first, the Rail Riders five-run fourth the difference in this rally back for an 11-9 win. The first two runs across in the five-run fourth, a double by Armando Alvarez. A few batters later, it was Estevan Florial bringing the Rail Riders back within one. Runners on first and second. Esteban Florial up one attitude today. Pitch, flow, swings, and crushes this to deep right field. Goodbye, home run. It was 8-2 at the beginning of this inning. It is now 8-7. The Rail Riders have come almost all the way back here in the bottom of the fourth. In the fifth, Rob Brantley with a home run to tie us up at eight. Former Rail Rider Mike Ford hit a solo home run in the top of the sixth inning. Rail Riders back down by one. But in the bottom of the eighth inning, Christian Perez with a double to plate Greg Allen, tying the game at nine. And then it was Rob Brantley coming through in the clutch again. Two balls, two strikes, two down the pitch. Brantley, line drive, right field. One run's going to score. Florial waved home. The throw by Casey on the way. And Flo is safe. 11-9 the final, the Rail Riders complete a six-run comeback. Series finale today against Rochester has Matt Crook on the mound on the road this coming week at Lehigh Valley for the final six games of the AAA regular season. With the Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, they've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank NA. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. In uncertain times, you need someone who has your back. That's why Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey Health Plans have the benefits you need. Telemedicine, so you can see a doctor anytime, anywhere. Mental health professionals available 24-7. Virtual ID cards and more on your phone. We'll help you find the plan that covers it all. Because everyone should feel like someone has their back. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey is here when you need us most. Now and always.
Somerset with a six-game set in Akron, Ohio against the Akron Rubber Ducks. Uh, reminder for a programming note, Tuesday begins at 11.05, then 6.35 starts on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, Friday and Saturday are at 7.05, and the regular season wraps up a 2.05 start. All the coverage will be on 1450 WCTC and WCTCAM.com beginning about 20 minutes before First pitch, Mark and I will be out there to bring everything to you. So we certainly hope you tune in. But that'll do it for this edition of the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. For Mark Schwartz, I'm Brandon Pelter saying so long and enjoy the week. Thank you for listening to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Each episode is aired on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC, and WCTCAM.com with online versions made available on podcast streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Please consider giving us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the show. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC.